It's time to go into auto reverse with Tony and Matt, where we look at bands that are underappreciated, misunderstood, forgotten, and to some unknown. This week, we're going auto reverse on Amy Lou Harris. Okay, so before we start, you know, it was brought to our attention that some people don't know who is Tony and who is Matt, and we just assumed since our family and friends were going to be listening to this only, that no one else would really give a shit uh, who, you know, Tony was and who is Matt. So, you know, I am Tony, and... No, you're not. (laughs) What you... Dude, don't let that hook bite get through your. You've been on that oh, hook. You, got me. you bit through that hook a little too hard. So I'm Matt, <laughs> and obviously. And I'm Tony. Yeah, Tony, the the inimitable Tony. Um, so that's that's so. You're, if you're listening, this is our voices because it's brought up to our attention that you know I had no idea who is who. Um, so yeah. Just yeah, and if you're way. having problems, you know, distinguishing, uh, I'm the one that sounds like. A bit character from the Sopranos. That's me. That would be Tony. Yeah. That would be Tony. And then the other guy with a less intrusive accent. That would be Matt. Yeah, he's a very yeah the Midwestern. <laughs> like I got a, a jar of mayonnaise next to my chin. <laughs> you know, just you know. Uh, so yeah, this is soda versus pop. You know. That's right. Yeah. Um, but now let's get to Emmy Lou. You know, we were talking about how we were, you know, we pick songs that you can, you know, you kind of hear in the background here. It is so hard. Like when we were trying to do this playlist, because we worked on this, this is one playlist we actually worked on together. It, it was so hard. I mean, she's not only very prolific, it's hard to pick out something. She's one of the few artists that I think that even her songs that aren't as great, they're still like interesting to listen to. And to pick out like for, it usually takes us about six or seven songs to put in the background of the, of the podcast. It's like, I, you know, we usually, like for this one, I don't know really where to start. Yeah, it's, I mean, to, we were talking about her album Wrecking Ball and how like I kind of misunderstood or sort of like not not misunderstood maybe just um underappreciated maybe underappreciated maybe slightly dismissed i even i told i told you that i'd sold it right before i moved here three years ago because it was worth money i had an original pressing and now i'm like i go back and listen to it you know for the playlist and i'm like what a fucking great album i I mean uh, daniel lenoir produced it and there's all kind it's just and it's a complete departure so it has very little to do with her 70s output it's like this is right. something different more more on the experimental uh thing uh, t- you know tip but also sort of like contemporary for the for that time like the mid 90s um not to mention in my feed uh like in my instagram feed someone posted pictures i forget what website uh, somebody's page it was all pictures from those sessions so pictures of her oh, no in kidding. like a sundress I'll send it to you. Yeah. And I'm looking at it and like, she's beautiful, you know, but she, right. but she has the gray hair now, like the gray long hair. Right. And it's just like a very different, I don't know. She's, a, she's a fascinating artist. The fact that she, 
like you said, she, her own songs are great. The songs that she covers are interesting and sometimes great. She's a very collaborative artist too. I mean, a lot yes. of the, the early stuff is, which I didn't even know oh. that much about, was all with uh, with what's his name, um, Graham Parsons, right? And so, and and then there's the trios record with Dolly and with Linda Rodstad. Well, and she did, and, and she was like on Honeysuckle Rose, the movie, which yeah, like, and there's just yeah, you, Dylan is on uh, Dylan. She's on the Dylan on the uh, Desire record. Yeah, she's on, she's on that record, and it's just like. You know, the more I thought about this stuff before we decided to do it, the more I, the more I was like, I couldn't believe just the depth of her talent and her artistry. I just, could, I, and I'm still, I'm still adding songs to that playlist. Just so you know, yeah, no, like, I, I'm still I saw, doing it. Yeah, I'm you still know, doing it by, by the just, way, you, you know, when you you put it on there, you got to put it in chronological order, there, guy. I know, I know, I know. We'll go, we'll go back and fix it. Oh, Sorry. Is, yeah, is, yeah. Is we, we got, we got a mouse in my pocket. Does that mean I'm going to have to do that? I'll do it, you fuck. <laughs> 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 oh, and I wanted to bring up one point. Yeah. Real quick. Just you know one. how we've gone back and forth about folk music, you know, because we did, but we did Buffy a few weeks ago. That's true. Um, yep. We go back and forth, and like I, I'm someone who's now really coming around to folk music. Uh, maybe, and and I told you that it was probably my wife's influence and her love of of Dylan, right? Her, mm -hmm. And and so that sort of that sort of gave me this like newfound energy for folk music in general, and. And, you know, we go back and forth. Should we cover more folk artists? You know, blah, blah, blah. And you're like more less inclined to do so. And that's fine. Um, uh, you know, tomato, tomato, whatever. But I, I, I sent that. This is another thing about about Emmy, uh, about Emmy Lou is that that folk thing is there also in her, even though she's a country artist. Right. She's known primarily as a country artist. The folk thing is there. And, and, you know, when I read about her, she graduated from high school, moved to New York to get close to Pete Seeger, to her heroes, Pete Seeger, Dylan, all those people in the West, you know, in the West Village and that whole scene in the in Greenwich Village. And it just shows me that how just how, you know, folk music is in many cases is the basis of a lot of the stuff that we like. You know what I mean? It's like it's. It's part of the. It's like an important part of the DNA. Now we can argue about this all day long, me and you. But I just want to point that out. And I, when I was listening to her, I could hear. I could hear that in her. This, this sort of folk influence. So I just wanted to say, get that off my chest. Well, good, good. It's good because you don't <laughs> want to keep that bottled up. Um. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and let it loose at the end. It could be just spilled all over yeah. the place. You know what the thing yeah. about her, reading about her history is that you know she kept she, she was born into a military family. Her dad was mm -hmm. uh, in the the Marines, so she moved around a lot. He was born in Alabama, and then ended up going to school actually college in North Carolina, which is the when she get, first met Graham Parsons, mm -hmm. um, and like you said, went to New York, mm -hmm. um, but basically just saying and it, you know was kind of struggling to find her foothold, but I'm, I'm sure gaining valuable, uh, experience, you know, singing in all the places. Cause it was like, you, that was a vibrant, like when Buffy was there as well as a vibrant time, That's right. time to be, yeah. to be, uh, you know, a musician, uh, until, you know, Graham actually 
called her to work on his first solo album after he got booted from the uh, Flying Burrito Bowers. Um, and that album is, you know, that, you know, that musicianship of how you're talking about collaboration, like that's, she knows, and I, you know, I was reading articles about even when she was with Dylan, she needs to, she was talking about, I have to sing with the person. I have to be with them and see their face and see how they're moving to be able to react to it. Um, and having, you know, her voice and Graham Parsons' voice, especially, you know, on the, the second album, uh, Grievous Angels, uh, you know, the, the song that is probably one of the most popular, you know, Love Hurts. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just, she blends herself so well in, in, um, you know, with other other singers, like I, I got, I went on the, got it on a big on the, uh, the all the road running album, uh, because mm -hmm. with Mark Knopfler from uh, Dire Straits. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. what, like, they put out a live version of that album where they actually did, you know, a bunch of songs. They did some Dire Straits, like Romeo and Juliet, and that mm -hmm. song I really don't. Great like. song. Yeah, I like. They did so far away from me, which I'm not, a, which I, I can appreciate as a nice song, but it, for whatever reason bugs the shit out of me but it's kind of it's kind of played out a little bit that song i've heard that on rock radio for so many years it's kind of lost it. its appeal a bit to so, me for me i don't know i don't know i get stuck on it so far away from you so far my eyes can't see you. well i get that you're yeah. far you're far away you shouldn't be <laughs> you don't you're you, not a big fan you, of you the can't <laughs> you can't see you won't be able to see far away to see someone if you're mo if it's worth mentioning anyway, i'm getting stuck on that yeah, you know what the I, thing I, about I, Amy I, Lou that you were talking about? I just think like she's kind of like, in some ways, even like when I think of Dolly Parton, I think of a songwriter more than I and, mm -hmm. and, a, and a singer more than I do yeah. kind of in one style. I mean, she's mm -hmm. she may be a little easier to kind of bucket into country music, but Amy Lou, I feel like there's a little bit more of a a, a breadth of. Like she could, you know, she does rock too. I mean, there's stuff that, yeah. uh, you know, definitely like her first album, I guess, was actually the one on Jubilee was a folk album. Um, mm -hmm. What's it called? Gilded. Not, um, Gil Gil it's called uh, Gilding Bird. Gliding Bird. Gliding Bird. Gliding Bird. Gliding Bird. Yeah. Um, you know, and that, you know, then going from there to, I'm sure, from with Graham Parsons, that got her uh, the you know, get her own, you know, her record label. Like, that was released in 69, and in 75, she gets on reprise and does Pieces of the Sky, which is just, I mean, for a second album, it's just, it's just, I mean, I could listen to that album over that and over. That album is, that might be my favorite. That's just, it's just such what, what, a good record. What was the first, like, so let's maybe do our usual, like, where did you first become conscious or maybe... Two steps. When did you become aware of her, and then where did when did you start to really appreciate her? Well, that, this so let me so so this is going to be one where normally it's some kind of story, some anecdote, like you're you know like you heard it on the radio, or a friend turned you on, or you went to the show and this person opened up, you know whatever. There's always this this, this one. Emmy Lou doesn't have that for me. She's just there's this the sweetness of her voice, you know. That's what got me to her. Right. Just because I didn't know that much about her, right? I didn't know specific albums, specific songs. Like, I didn't know that. It's just some, every once in a while, I would hear her voice, right? Over right. the years. So, like, late 80s into the 90s, I would hear her voice and I'm like, who the fuck is that? 
No, oh, it's Emmylou Harris. And I'm like, wow, this is this is an important artist. This is a, a talent that it's like a subtle talent. And, and maybe that's why I didn't like jump right on it. Right. Because it was such a subtle, like effortless thing of hearing her sing that um, I didn't like really latch on. And I also I'm going to be honest. I okay. maybe had a bias against country music to us. It's up and t- up until like 10 or 15 years ago, I would just be like, fuck country music. You know, I didn't like I didn't want to deal with it. I knew I knew that Dolly Parton was great. I knew that Johnny Cash was great. I even saw Johnny Cash play one of his last shows in New York City at the um, town hall, one mm-hmm. of those venues. So that I wasn't a specific country artist, but I always kind of like blew off the genre and thought it was dumb or too, you know, too. I don't even know what you want to call it. So I kind of blew it, blew her off. Even though I recognized her talent, she's like provincial, like not, you know, yeah, yeah, not, exactly. not sophisticated like, like, yet. Yeah, not sophisticated enough. And I'm being, you know, I'm being honest. I was wrong. I was wrong because country music is as old as blues music. You know, there's it, all these things. They go together. This like American, like like sort of patchwork of music, whether it's the blues, whether it's country, whether it's bluegrass, all these things are together. Right. You know, and so it took me a long time to figure that out and acknowledge it and respect it. And so in recent years, uh, it's probably my wife, like just kind of playing Emmylou here and there where I was like, okay, I have to stop now and really pay attention to this person. So it's not a specific story. It's not a specific event. It's just, you know, when something's in the air, you know, an ambient thing and, and you pay attention, but you don't stop what you're doing. Eventually I did. And right. now that's why we're doing this episode. Yeah, you know, I think to your first point, it's like, you know, because when we were growing up, uh, you know, which and I had grandparents who loved country music. So when we'd stay at their house, we'd watch Hee Haw. Mm-hmm. And Hee Haw was to, you know, a kid, it was fun to watch. And they had, you know, Roy, um, Roy Clark and Buck Owens, mm-hmm. who were, who could, you know, great musicians and fun to watch. And they would always have other people from different types of music come on there as well so I was always interested you know there's that type of you know country music that definitely Emmy Lou you can feel that that's a, a significant um, 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 influence on her on her on her stuff uh, because she like she like yeah, even when you do blue Kentucky girl and the one that's a little bit uh, like roses in the snow which is you know that's like that, that kind of shifts to a little bit more bluegrass. And I, you know, that's funny because like Emmy Lou is kind of, to me, like a little bit of a shapeshifter. 
You know, it's not, oh yeah, one hundred percent. And I think that that's what I like about. It. Like I first heard of her uh, through my cousin who gave me a bunch, a stack of albums because he was going to the coast coast guard, mm-hmm. um, or was it the navy? I don't know. I know he's on a boat. He was um, on a boat. He was on a boat. He was on a boat. Merchant uh, Marine. No, it wasn't Merchant Marine. I knew it could be a Merchant Marine. What the fuck is a Merchant Marine anyway? I don't know. It was very popular in the 20s and 30s. Um, let me see. Uh, so he gave me a bunch of... And that, her Elite Hotel was one of the albums. And all the, all, there was more rock stuff in there, so I didn't listen to it as much, but I did listen to it, and I liked it. And this is like 9 or 10 years old, but I didn't really come to really appreciate her like until the... To the the uh, trio album because I you know my my mom was a big or was my mom was a big Linda Ronstadt fan and so and that we always like my you know my grandparents Dolly Parton was always you know at nine to five and and shit like that so hearing those those three together so getting that album or CD I think actually got um, or my family got. Like that was the first time I heard her voice, and it was like it was kind of like you, you know, Dolly Parton and Linda Ronstadt were well known for their pipes, but her voice stood out because it didn't seem like it was. What's the word? It's not. It wasn't trying to put itself out there to be greater than it was. It sounded like it was, some like I'm not saying that all three of them were trying to be something like individual singers they work really they all collaborate really well together i just think hers was much more noticeable in how she harmonized with everyone else yeah that's the sweetness yeah that's the sweetness that's the effortlessness the the just kind of being she doesn't she there's no need for her to project she's doing it just by being who she is so that's maybe what you're noticing that's what i always noticed and why i didn't really and i but now that you've asked the question that i sort of like in a long-winded way explained that it wasn't one thing there was one song that fucking clinched it for me one and that is uh one more cup of coffee on the dylan desire record right that song kills me yeah Uh, it's such a perfect beautiful song that you can listen to it and it appeals to well if you're paying attention or you care it appeals to you you can identify with the message and you can identify with just how wonderful the two of them together work you know in the in the vocal in the way they vocalize and and that was the song for me that was the one where i was like i really have to start paying attention to this person i have to you know what's great about that because i just read a story like in prep for this i did i read a story where she talked about like with dylan she didn't do they didn't do any overdubs or anything it was first takes and she mm-hmm. said the first time she sung one more uh, cup of coffee, it was recorded. So it was like she didn't practice it with him. They didn't go in. Oh, that like, makes it even better yeah. for me. Oh yeah. So, and oh, she, my God. She said, what yeah, a song. She, yeah, she's like, you know, you know, Bob Dylan works really fast. And she's like, I was much more a perfectionist. She's like, so when I listened to the album, she's like, I could hear all these things that I, I thought at the time, and maybe even now, I thought were could have been done better, but the feel was right on. And she's she was saying like that's her favorite 
uh, Dylan album because he just nailed the lyrics and everything and that there's that that feeling you know she felt like while parts of her she feels like it's off pitch the, the vibe that it gets off was just you know it was perfect so which is a great you know that that's that you know think about that you're a perfectionist yet you know you kind of relent and say this isn't the perfect way this is a perfect pitch but yet it's this is the perfect sound for us duetting together or for the song and you're like she's being in service to the music not to what she her aesthetics of what she feels is perfect or not um, and I think that that's you know sometimes it be, I think what separates good musicians from great musicians a lot of times is like having that kind of self-awareness of like giving and having that self of letting your ego kind of step out and you're mm -hmm. working you're working in service of the music not the other way around and you know i think that has served her really well because you know to be able to collaborate with people is being able to kind of let go of yourself and be come in as one because there was like you know even talking about singing with graham parsons she's like I, he was more someone who just jumped in and did he didn't feel like it practiced and i had and he would change his pattern, so I had to react to him. But like that, mm -hmm. that kind of understanding of like this is not the preferred way, but this is the way it's going to work for us to do get to that desired spot of getting the best thing out of the song that was written. That's why she's a great collaborator. She recognized that early on, and and that's what makes her the artist she is. She knew she knew that stuff, you know. And she, I think there's a point here too. It's like it's fucking. It's not a job, it's art. Yeah. Once you once you start picking away at it like a like a two week old scab and you're picking away and blah, 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 then it's a job. Then it's not art anymore. You know, it's just like it either is it it's either great or you're spending way too much time on it. Well, I think, you know, also like she like talk about how prolific she is. I mean, she's got like what 26 studio albums and he's easily not, yeah. not, and then all the shit she was on. It's like all the stuff she, you know, that she appeared on. It's like insane. Right. Um, you know, and going through and putting this playlist together was great. Like I would say that, you know, we both have, you know, a lot of things going on in our lives, but like, being able to tear away and be able to sit in and go over her rec her all her records again and then figuring out what songs to put on the playlist and you know this is one of the harder playlists i mean you do most mm -hmm. of them but like on this one it was hard for me because it's like i could literally put this whole album on there and that's what that's yeah exactly or you might be like oh this is great this is great i'm adding this i'm adding this and then you've realized you missed a record from like her mid period and then you got to go back and and then re and then reassess oh this is great uh you know it's like that's the kind of artist she is it's like there's so much well stuff. yeah you go from her first album in the lead hotel to like blue kentucky girl and red and then you go to like wrecking ball and then even the stuff she mm -hmm. did with all the run road running um mm -hmm. i mean it's just like it, it's so de delightfully varied and she's that's right and she seems like she's a good kind of restlessness it's like i want to work on like doing the the trio album doing other collaborations you know honeysuckle rose and mm -hmm. getting into being a being a taste maker of like 
this is good. I like this. So let's let me go work on this with these people or with this this content. Um, and uh, you know, God, how you know? You know, she's wrestler. She's been married four times. <laughs> uh, I don't. I you know, I don't know. It's like I I don't even know. Well, you know, I don't even know if that's such an easy thing to do to be married and be a, a working musician unless you. Are... I'm I'm ki- I'm kidding. But yeah, yeah, you're right. It's that's got to be hard if you're. But being a working, um, being a working musician, like you should be just married to another musician who's in your band. Yeah, or married to another musician who has their own thing going on, and you just meet up in the Bahamas like every four months or whatever. I don't know. Uh, is that the dream? I, is that your? Is that your fantasy? It is. Scenario? Yeah. Fantasy why scenario? not? Why not? As someone who's dated, let's see, one, two, at least three musicians. Um, the hard part isn't for me it wasn't the time or the lack of time or whatever it was the lack of success that these musicians had and how that like ate away at them constantly that was hard to manage you know yeah one of them is now super successful but uh uh, the others are not so it's just kind of like that's that's more of what the problem is not you know not the time away that never really bothered me too much no, I, I, I but it, yeah, I think that's how the comfort level of all those things. But I think like with her, yeah. you know, she, you know, she like I, I, back to that restlessness. I think she has that with just from a a or she's more of a maybe even better word for it, she's more of a seeker. She's con- constantly mm-hmm. trying to find new new things or new albums or new songs, and someone who can write her own songs and do storytelling. Because she is from that kind of that era of where it kind of went from folk to kind of um, more kind of like Dylan-esque type of storytelling. Because mm-hmm. I, you know, a lot of the music that I listen to during the day is music that I don't need to pay that much attention to the lyrics. But I could not, mm-hmm. I couldn't do work to her stuff because her lyrics, she's telling a story and it's kind of like. Pay attention. Yeah, it's like reading a book and driving. You can't do those two, two things at the same time. It's just it's too difficult, because one de- they both demand your full attention, and you can't get what you want out of them if you're going to split the split the difference with your your you know what you're giving putting into it. We tried to uh, put together a barbecue listening to her yesterday, and it, we had to turn it off because it was like I can't. I can't do this and listen ah, to her. That, it's that impossible. Explain, that ex- that explains That's why it's so the grill. <laughs> <laughs> that explains the grill problem. I was like, are you saying? We were listening to her to the playlist, and I was like, I can't. I, we both like looked at each other. I'm like, it's this is too good. Like it needs to be re- um, appreciated on another level, not like us yeah, sweating you, with the screwdriver. It's yeah, you should have put some, you should have put some like southern culture on the skids on. Like, <laughs> oh my god, something like that. <laughs> And that, that would have kept you focused on getting the grill done properly. Or some global groove music. What what the hell is that? <laughs> okay, let me explain this concept what is to that? you. So you know you know how I listen to a lot of like African music, like Zamrock, yeah, or yeah. I listen to like kinda like maybe I'll listen to a Jamiroquoi record or some other or that some, I like, do know like, that I do know you'll do, yes. Yeah, or like or like a, some acid jazz record from the nineties or Doves or Saint Etienne, and I listen to this stuff. I like it, but then I was—I don't know where I was like re- looking it up or reading about it, and they call that shit global groove. So like when you go to like a bar or a club, 
or like a restaurant or whatever in New York City and they're playing that kind of music, you know, like something you might hear in a hair salon. Like they call it global groove. It's like a thing on like Sirius FM uh, and like all this other. And yeah, they give it. They've given it a fucking turn. Global groove. It makes me laugh. I don't know why. Is it? I, I don't know. If I, I'm not. Call, gonna be, I'm not. Call gonna be me. Cr- G, call me. <laughs> call me GG. Global groove. I don't know. I I just don't. I, I I you know. I just don't know if I'm going to incorporate that in my 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 little lexicon, especially walking around New York. I don't. I don't even global know. Groove. I'm surprised they let that in NYC. Something saying global groove. That sounds like it's. It's more of like a. It's more of like a marketing thing. They're just trying to market this music to people. It's like okay, serious so FM type thing. You're right. It's it, like serious. It, thing. Dude, you said it yourself. You're like, I can't listen to Emmy Lou because it's like so. Is such a. She's such a storyteller, and, and it's like you want to like pay attention. So global groove is the opposite of that. It's like when you don't want to pay attention. Listen to Global Groove. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. I'm, I'm getting far right. away from our original. Well, I was going to say, if, if, I, let's if, pull I, it back if, if I come from over from a for a, uh, for a barbecue <laughs> and a grill, you, you keep that Global Groove shit about. A I'm going to play away. Global Groove. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> I'm going to play I, that you, shit. You and I have an agreement. The only time you can play Jeremiah <laughs> is if you wear the hat. And dance around. Oh, and... come on, man. People fucking break on him all the time. He's not the... Listen, there's... A... I, I, I'd rather listen to him than fucking Dave Grohl. I get that. But you gotta, yeah. you gotta understand. He did wear that. No one made him wear that hat. It's just a hat, dude. It, I, I know. But, <laughs> but it's not just a hat. Just a hat would have been something much more understated. And something that he that didn't flop around when he kicked his knee over his head. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. We're put, we're we're way out there now. So, let's pull this. Yeah. Come let's back pull in. Let's come out. back in. So what what I would say is like this is a we could we could have easily talked about her for a, a, an hour or so because she is yeah. such, this is such a rich and a uh, prodigious uh, musician in both talent and in output. And, uh, you know, check out the playlist because it, it's, uh, I think after, I think it's up to like four hours of music and we could have easily went to 10 on her. Oh, easily. Um, so definitely check that out and definitely let us know uh, if you wanted us to check, do any other bands or what you thought about this and, uh, auto reverse POD at gmail.com or any comments about things like who's Matt and who's Tony. Cause, uh, that, <laughs> we, we're not, yeah, as you can tell, not very self-aware. We just, we just, we feel like everyone should know who we are. I'm the rapper. He's <laughs> the DJ. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, man. Peace. All right. Till next time. <laughs>